Hi, I want to welcome you to Growing Nimble Families. My name is Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. If you're wondering about the change of name from Raising Playful Tots to Growing Nimble Families, then listen to episode number 200 first, but you are still in the right place. Well, hello, hello. I'm excited to be talking to you again this week. Maybe it's because it's testing season that I'm thinking again about encouraging and positive words that we can use within our family. So if this is something that you want to do, then stay listening and let's do this together. These last few weeks, it's been testing season. Children hunched over papers that they're trying to write and computers filling out answers for assessments. Before testing comes review and studying for some, and other children are just required to just do their part, do their best. It's a tense time, I think, for parents and for students in quite different ways. This year, for one of my son's testing, his his class teacher wrote personal notes to each student, reminding them that they are more than their test results. You've probably seen a few of these types of letters floating around on the internet. Passing the test means that you move on to the next school year. Otherwise, you'll have to repeat the year. This is something that doesn't happen all over the world. So for my children, at least, it's a new stress of passing the year. In the UK, you move to the next school year without a testing pressure. So you finished one year and then you move on to the next year. There's no end of year test that tells you yes you get to go on to the next year I do like that system but it's also what I'm used to and so this is a new system I'm getting used to and my children are getting used to of that little added pressure of making sure that they pass the year to move on I'm wondering is there anywhere else in the world like the UK where you don't have to test to get to the next year you just grow into the next year I guess is the way that you say it I would love to hear Um, what it's like in schools where you live or have lived. My middle schooler had milestone testing, which is a standardized test that the state does here. And now he's in the middle of end of course assessments. And then next he will be sitting quarterly performance assessments. I think I have all the right names there. So with EOCs and QPAs, there's a lot of jargon that the kids are getting to know and we as parents And there's a lot of vocabulary learning as they're revising some of these things, especially as their children are in the upper parts of school life, like middle school and upper elementary, and even on into high school. If you've got primary and elementary kids, then they're doing some sorts of testing, but the revision is probably just in school, and they're not being required to take them home and and try and, and do massive revision. They're trying to keep it really clear that it's a school-based activity and that they shouldn't, you know, be so worried about all the things that are happening. I know that the UK have SATs too for year sixes. They're taking those important exams as well. So everywhere has got some form of testing and high schools are testing with all of their tests that they do as well. So this May is, is that time of year when testing season kind of descends upon households and changes what we say 
changes what's happening in our homes and changes the whole family atmosphere. There's a tension there that we as, as parents are trying to help alleviate in our kids. We want to encourage them, we want to boost them, but we also don't want to draw too much attention to the test itself because we know that it's not everything. So what we say does matter. This time of year, do you find that all the encouraging words tumble out of your mouth as we drop them off in the car line or as we say goodbye to them in the morning? Things like, good luck, do your best. We can't help ourselves. We say these things. Somehow we know that these are not enough and maybe even add to the anxiety of the test. So then we're stuck with saying nothing but then that leaves this huge unspoken gap that looks like you've completely forgotten that they've got the test and children can go to school thinking that we don't care. And so what do you do? Well, they need to know, our children need to know that regardless of their results, we have their back. Whether they do well in their tests, or whether they don't do well in their tests, that we have their back. We want to be there for them. We are there for them. Children don't always have a realistic view of their abilities. And when they start reviewing in class work that was done many months ago, they don't, they have a disjointed view of what they really can do. And let's face it, testing only shows a very small aspect on one day at one time. But to a child, this can feel like everything. I don't know whether it's the silence or what it is that, that just builds it up with all these other people around, I guess. Sometimes it's the, the talking about what's going on at home, if people are having extra tuition or extra ideas that are, are being fed, that they might start to get anxious and, and nervous, and they may not share some of those things with us. Book smart children may thrive during this time and feel full with strong, positive emotions. They love the fact that they can just read some things and learn it and then produce it on this test. It fills them up. They feel good about it. They have that, that feeling that the memories will keep them going. If you have a child that's, say, a nature smart child or likes to do things with their hands, then they might struggle and be anxious that this time is upon us. And they may show that in very different ways. I'm reminded of that quote from Einstein that says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. I think a lot of children that are testing, and your child might be one of them, thinks that they are a fish trying to climb a tree. And that's not true. But how do we encourage our children and stay positive with them. You notice that each child testing deals with the testing cycle very differently. Depending on which children you have, it, the, the balance of the family atmosphere completely changes because each child has a very distinct personality. They may act out. They might be poking at their brothers and sisters in a way that they haven't before and, and be overconfident. They think that everything's going to be fine in that normal overconfidence of youth where they think they know how it's going to be, they can handle it. 
they may study too long and just spend hours and hours wanting to study when you know that that's not the way that it, it should go, but they feel that if I don't look at all this material and spend hours and hours with it, that it's nothing will work out. They might become snappy and irritable. They may find that they love even more those cat videos on YouTube because procrastination kicks right in. Some children come into their element during this testing time. They absolutely love the fact that they can organize their time completely. There are some children that are excited that there's no homework. Schools rarely issue homework during the testing period, apart from revision for some of the upper grades. But now they've got time to play outside. They've got no homework in the afternoons. They can just do schoolwork and schoolwork is left at school and then they come home and they can do anything that they want. Some children absolutely love that. There's also a change in the school schedule. And that change in the school schedule can throw the kids for a loop. Lessons get moved about, you stay with teachers longer than you would have normally, you get split in the different class. Uh, it's, it's a bit like those times when you've decided to have dessert first and then you have your main meal next or you have breakfast for dinner. It all feels a bit odd and strange, totally manageable, kind of fun, different, but it feels odd and that oddness can, can keep going throughout the day and even when they get home that they feel out of sorts, things are just not the same. So what we say as parents matter during that time, even more so. We're trying to be positive and encouraging during all of the times that we can, but during this testing time, we need to consider that even more. As they get older, they have more of an idea of how good, in quotes, they are. And when testing is finished, they may have a differing opinion of themselves. There's a lot of anxiety that comes around that and it can make it a really tricky time for parents. Because of that, I wanted to do a podcast today on some of the encouraging words that we can use. Because as you heard before, as they're leaving the car or going through the front door, it's really quick for us to say, good luck, do your best. But what other things can we say that have sincere meaning and that our children will treasure and cherish? If you think about it now, you can probably think of a few phrases and sentences that you can use. But when you're at the time, it's much harder for you to be able to say that. So I prepared a video that has a lot of positive words and phrases for us to use regularly with our kids. So we're not just waiting for the testing time, which is now, to be using them, although we can start at any time. The more we practice using them, the easier it is for them to slot into the normal everyday life that we do. It's really easy to be negative, to complain about the things that they're not doing. I think we all do it. But being able to actually stop and praise them for the things that they're actually doing well and find time to encourage our children will be so helpful because it will be sincere in times like this during testing time. 
So how do we make encouragement work throughout the year? Well, I have four areas that I would try and use encouragement in, and they're areas that you can look at today. So homework, for example. The homework time, kids often have a designated space where they do their homework, and a lot of children like to do them by themselves. Maybe you've set up an area in their room or in, a, in another room. Maybe they're in the same room as other uh, children or yourself as you're doing things. Maybe they're doing it at school or with somebody else. Is there a time when you can use some of these encouraging words? A time when they can hear that you're happy about things. And so that requires you looking at their homework and receiving the homework back and being able to respond in, in a good way. Often when we receive the homework, we often say, great, you did a good job, and that's it. But we're looking at more descriptive phrases and ways to encourage the, that help. The second way that we can do this is through contributions. The chores and the activities that the kids do around the house to be part of the family how we talk about and encourage them when they're doing that. Are we the type of family that goes over and says, you didn't do a very good job with this, you didn't clean it, this isn't very good? Or do we balance that negativity out? Because it needs to be told, let's face it, if you're not doing things well, kids do need to be told. But we have to balance that out with encouraging them and being positive as well. What are they doing well? Because they probably are doing something well in that time. So it's actually giving us a chance to practice using that encouragement and positive muscle. When they do their contributions, instead of just saying, good job, or I'm glad you did it, that we're actually giving a little bit more. Projects. In the last episode, you can find that at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 201. In that episode, we talked all about project working and how we can get children to do their projects by themselves with us supporting them rather than us doing their project work. I know that, that can be really tricky, teaching children how to do project work without ending up doing it ourselves. So I, I go into a lot more detail over there. So if you want to know more about that, then, then head on over to that episode. But project working is great for encouragement and positive words because there is a time where as they're doing things you can use these positive words as they're coming along and as children progress through these upper grades they are beginning to do more and more project work things that take more than a couple of days for them to do so there is a chance to be descriptive in the praise and the positive things that you're doing the other time is walking and talking there are lots of times where I encourage families to spend time together and lots of families think, well, what am I going to do if I'm with this boy or with my daughter? You know, what are we going to do? Going for a walk is a great way to be able to have conversations with boys. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but I have a post all about side-by-side -side time and how boys thrive on that time. Just going for a walk in your local neighborhood, nowhere in particular with no agenda, walking side by side, gives an opportunity for him to speak into the silence and for you to be encouraging and use positive words. It takes time, but it's truly worth it. Even if 
nothing much is said. The mere fact that you've taken the time to do this is amazing. Now, this walking and talking doesn't have to be hours. You don't have to set out on a major trek up the local um, hill and mountain that's in your area. It really can be just around the block, up the road, you know, to a landmark that you have that takes five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes for you to be able to do. In fact, I would encourage it not to be something big and amazing, but just, you know, let's go and do this. Let's go for a walk and go for a walk. The more that you do it and that you spend time, the more relaxed and comfortable they feel and they realize that you just don't have an agenda. Now, the next way of doing it is to be at the sink. If you are washing out the dishes, that's a great time, or pottering around in the kitchen, making dinner, or I don't know, um, doing bills, or whatever it is that, that you're pottering around, uh, tidying up in the house. Is there an opportunity for you to do something together where you can call your son or daughter over and you can do that together? It depends on, on how you do laundry. It could be that you're folding laundry together. It could be that you ask them to come and dry up some of the dishes that are on the side or empty the dishwasher at the same time that you are, are in that space. It could be that they're making their lunch for ready for the next day and you are doing something else in the kitchen yourself. But finding a way to walk and talk or stay in one place and allow the conversation to get going. So you wouldn't necessarily have the TV on or the radio on, although sometimes they are good things to be able to point to and say, did you hear that program or did you, what did you think of that? Or things just come up because of that program. There's been many a time where the boys have come in after I've been listening to something and asked questions like, what did that mean? And I've thought, oh, you were listening to that. I didn't realize that you were really listening to that. But that, these are good examples of t chances that you can do positive and encouraging words. These are phrases that help kids to feel good about themselves. And they offset some of the negativity that we are often using only as parents. We don't mean to. You're not alone. There are many times when we all drift into just telling them what they need to know and not building them up. And I guess what we have to be careful with is that we don't go completely the other way and only give positive and encouraging and they get the wrong impression of what they can do because we want them to have a good understanding of their weaknesses and their strengths. And we want to encourage them to do better and get better, but something that suits their personality and how old they are and many, many things. So we don't want to discourage, we want to encourage, but it's trying to find that balance. So some of these things that we should at some point be saying to our children quite frequently, and if we're not, perhaps we need to find out why we're not doing that. Number one, I trust you. Trust is really easy to change as they're in the elementary and school age times because they do so many things that you think, really? You didn't realize that lying about being at your friend's house would mean that you would get into trouble? It's always in our family, lying about things like that will get you into trouble. So why did you think that that would be different now? And we start to wonder, like, what happened? 
but it's brain development, age, they just forget. But we need to be able to tell them that I, I trust you. There are times like that when they know that they've betrayed our trust, but there are other times when they've done amazing things. Maybe they've been at home alone for the first time for 10 minutes or half an hour and they're learning how to be by themselves. And you can tell that I trust you to be home by yourself. And that just encourages them because they've done something that's amazing, but they just didn't realize it. I mean, you being able to trust them is a big deal. But actually saying that is a big deal to them too. Number two, you've tried and that is important. So many times we look at perfection, being able to do things really well and our children pick up on that. But we will try things and they will fail or it won't go exactly as we thought that it would. And the kids need to know that that's okay. These things happen to us as adults too that you tried it and that that's important. This statement in no way is saying, oh, you tried it and that's important so you can just stay right where you are. Don't, don't even try and get better. It's not about that. It's just acknowledging that they have made the effort because frankly, that's what you need during testing, during life, during everything. The fact that you keep trying and that you don't give up unless you really need to just stop. The third thing, I'm listening. How many times are we multitasking and doing two or three things at once? Being able to look our children in the eye and stop whatever we're doing with our hands and actually say, I'm listening, gives them a chance to, for them to realize that they are important. Can we do this all the time? Probably not. Should we do it more? Probably yes. And so saying I'm listening gives them that positive feedback that they need. Number four, you are always smiling or you are always helping other people, acknowledging their strengths, the things that they do really well. Often those things aren't mentioned because we're too busy telling them to stop teasing their brother or sister or you've not finished your homework and we're getting on them for something but actually talking to them about their strengths, about things that they have done really well, can help with that balance of their self-worth and realizing what they can do well. Number six, how can I help? This is a great one because at this stage, we're beginning to transition as parents as it gets to the middle school and higher to becoming more ad advisors. We still parent but we have this tricky road now of the kids know what they want to do and they need to exercise trying to do this by themselves. So they come home with a project and you can see in your mind already, oh my goodness, there's all these things that you need to do and we need to go to all these places. But you don't need to think about how that works anymore. You can say to your child, how can I help? And that gives them the opportunity to do all of that thinking for themselves. It doesn't mean that we then don't help and support them. They might have forgotten something or you might think, well, what about this? And they'll be very grateful for the additional input. But actually using that question, how can I help you rather than deciding already what we know what's best for them is a great thing to be able to exercise 
in our school-age families. Number seven, good thinking. Maybe they've said something and they've had a, a train of thought that was really good. Like they wanted to go to their friend's birthdays party, but, and then they started talking to you about all of the things that was on their mind, and then they decided, well, I'll go, but, and then they, they have this whole idea. Being able to say that's really good thinking is great because they can acknowledge that sometimes they don't know all of the answers and they're coming to you as an advisor and they want your opinion. If you can say good thinking more and more, I think children begin to realize that they can ask you for advice and not feel as if you're just going to give advice freely because nobody likes unsolicited advice. Number eight, hey, look, you figured it out. How many times have we seen kids struggling over something and we've wanted to rescue them? I know I hold my hand up. You think, oh, I just, I know the answer. I know how I can help them. If only they just let me. Now, some of you are saying, well, I still help and I, I still am finding it tricky to be able to do that. But if you can hold on a little longer, some kids, just give them that little longer and they'll be fine. And you know your kids. Some of them, you know when to in intervene. You know that you need to help them out. But being able to say, hey, look, you've been working on this for two days now and you figured it out. You did this trial and error and then you went and asked your brother and he told you to go look online and then you asked your friend and then your teacher gave a new note to explain it more. You just kept working at it and working at it and you figured it out. That way the kids see their whole process of how they did that. And if all we said was finally, you finally got it, gosh, it's taken you two days, that stops all of that learning that they did. So if you did it the first way, by explaining their process, when they get stuck the next time, you can remind them, hey, remember the last time you got stuck on something like this? What did you do? Oh yeah, I asked my brother, or I went to see my teacher, or whatever it was. It gets them unstuck pretty quickly. Number nine, that was really a responsible thing to do. Imagine if you leaned in really quietly and told your child about some character trait that you loved that they did. Maybe they helped a little girl whose ice cream had fallen off their cone. Oh, isn't that horrible when that happens? And the child is like, starts crying because the ice cream has just slid off and your child went over and helped them scoop it up or, or did something that was special and you thought, oh, wasn't that a nice thing to do? They're not looking for any praise or any recognition, but that's something that you want to cultivate in them, a spirit of, of giving. And so you might quietly lean into them when they're, when they're available and not helping with sticky ice cream. That was a really responsible thing to do or whatever a character trait it was. That was a really helpful thing to do. Because it, it lets them know that you've noticed that they're doing it. And if you've noticed, then it's a good thing to keep going with. Number 10, sometimes it's good to say, I'm sorry. As an encouraging word and a positive word, I know lots of people think, why would you say I'm sorry? But maybe you weren't paying attention to what was going on and you needed to sit down and do something with them. 
but you're acknowledging that even as an adult, saying you're sorry is not something that is only reserved for kids to do. We as parents need to be able to say, I'm sorry, as and when we need to, so that we're modeling it for our children. It shouldn't be a difficult phrase to come out. Number 11, I want to hear all about it. This is one of my favorite phrases. When the kids get home from school, there's so much going on. And at the moment, two or three, two of them can be home at the same time and they all want to talk at you at once. This is what happened. And being able to say, you know what? I want to hear all about it, but I need to just do these things first. Make sure you come back and tell me or remind me because I really, really want to hear all about it. Because we do, we want to hear all about it, but they, they want to tell you a time when it may not be good for you. So letting them know, come back and share it with me. But also letting them know that it's important. What you've got to say is important. But you can't always say what's on your mind. You have to think about the other people that are around. You might have a great story, but if people need to leave, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to tell my story and you all have to wait. This is... A, a great thing for kids to start understanding that they can hold information and they don't have to blurt it all out and they don't have to be sad and mad that you can't receive it or another person can't receive it that story is a good story and often I say I want to hear all about it can you tell it at dinner time or is it a long story or is it something you just want to tell me sometimes I say I want to hear all about it can we talk about it at bedtime or is it something to share with everybody? And that way that they realize that what they have to say is important, but I want a special time for it. Number 12, it's okay to be sad. During this testing time, we need to acknowledge that for some children and in some subjects, some kids are gonna be sad about how they did the test, how they feel about the test, maybe something that happened connected to the test. I don't know, it could just be puberty, it's just hormones, who knows. But they will be sad and it's not our job to just try and cheer them up and say, you know, snap out of it. It will be all okay in the end, don't worry, it's not a big deal. It's okay to be sad. It's actually a very positive way of acknowledging the feelings and just sitting with them and acknowledging that sometimes we are just sad about things and saying nothing else. Number 13, I see you've tried that a different way. So this is very similar to the other one. Number eight, hey look, you figured it out. That I see you've tried that a different way is a way of explaining to the kids that you have noticed what they're doing and you've noticed that they've done it differently. This tends to happen with systems so I taught them how to clean the sink and I have my way of cleaning the sink and my husband has his way of cleaning the sink let's say for a while they will clean it exactly the way that you have told them how to clean it because that's all they know and as with everything things start to change they will start to play around, they want to do it shorter, they'll do different things, and they'll actually come up with a different way of doing it. So when I go over and I say, 
hey, what are you doing? Or I notice, or I'm coming alongside of them to have some time with them because they're doing a contribution and I want to spend some time with them. And I like, what are you doing? And they say, I'm cleaning the sink. I might say, okay, I'll, I'll clean the other part of the bathroom. So we can all be in the same spot and we can be talking together. And you know, that's the time when they can start talking. I might notice at that time that they are cleaning the sink in a different way than I would have done it. And I can remark, rather than just say, don't do it that way, only do it my way. During the, this stage, raising school-age kids, it's about collaboration. We've taught them, usually, how to do things, and now they're trying to do things for themselves. So it's not about control, because you can't control kids in that way. It won't work out for you in the long run. But it's about them springboarding from the excellent ideas that you have laid down and being able to use them and adapt them because that's what life is all about, being able to adapt and change to the circumstances that you're around. So that's a really good way. I've seen you've tried that a different way for them to not feel threatened that you're trying to say, I see you're doing it a different way than I would do it, but for you to encourage them, look, there are many ways that we can do this. There's been many a times when the kids have done things differently and I thought, oh wow, I would have never have done it that way and that's actually better. And they need to know that. They've problem solved something and done it in a way that's useful for everybody else. And that's worth knowing about yourself, that you can do something like that, that you can help and you can contribute. Number 14, I saw you helping that girl with the ice cream I saw you being kind and giving that boy the Lego piece. You know, I saw you sitting quietly, even though everybody else was playing around. I saw you something that you've noticed that's positive that you can say. Now, this is another lean in, talk quietly, especially as you're getting up into the upper elementary, the middle school and off into high school. Children do the right things so many times without praise, because it would be ridiculous if you praised every single thing that they did. However, they have such concerns about the way that they do things as they get older, that they get so worried and anxious, we have to remember that feeling that comes inside of us. So being able to say, I saw that you did the right things, basically, reminds them oh yeah, I can do some good things. They can be really hard on themselves and say, I never do anything right, I always forget my homework. You know, they get into these negative spirals about I can't do any of these things. And so this question, this statement rather, really feeds that negative spiral because they're beginning to see that they can do some really positive things because we are actually mentioning it. Number 15, I noticed what you were doing there. So it's very similar to that previous question. I noticed what you were doing there. You sat between those two boys because you knew that they were just arguing with each other. And just by sitting there, stopped everything. And that was, I saw that. You thought, I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to sit here. And they're not going to do that. That was a really thoughtful thing to do. There's many, many ways that you can use that statement depending on what your child is doing. And it, it also means that you've observed what they're doing. How many times do we just watch what our children are doing in public? 
have we seen the way that they're sitting on the bench or running around in the, the waiting room or how they're sharing their electronic device while the swimming club is going on or not. Um, sometimes there are really tricky things that go on. I've seen at swimming baths before when you know, one child brings in, I don't know, a, a Nintendo DS and they're playing and very soon there's a group of kids that all you know, pile in around and watch the racing game or whatever it is. And then one kid will say, can I have a go? And now that child has to handle that whole situation. Do I give this almost stranger my coveted gaming machine or not? And they have to deal with that. Maybe they've had some coaching from parents. Maybe they haven't. And maybe they deal with that really well and say yes or no and, and deal with that. But we need to be able to say to them, I noticed when that kid asked, you were really polite about it or you were very firm and I was surprised and that was really good. And it also gives you a chance to be able to say, you know, I, I've got an idea about what you could do next time, especially if they didn't handle the situation as well as they could have. That would be a great opening as well to go in there with that. Number 16, it was a bit of a struggle, wasn't it? This is another one acknowledging the struggles that go along. You know, kids come out and say, oh, I'll never learn this. It's annoying. I hate the way the teacher has done it. This lesson is stupid. You know, all of the things, the negative comments that come along. And then sometimes they come out and they say, I've done it. I understand it now. It's fixed. I've finished whatever it is. And being able to, other than just high five and go, yes, and feel inside like, Phew, thank goodness, actually acknowledging it was a bit of a struggle, wasn't it? But you, again, overcome that and look at what you did. You worked really hard. Something about spending all of that time helped you, right? Actually acknowledging that there is a struggle. Even for parents, the things that we do at work, we can acknowledge how, gosh, to get my promotion, I had to do all of this work. It was such a struggle, but I'm so glad I persisted. Some of that type of conversation, we just leave for our friends and our partner. But some of it, if it's age appropriate, we should share with the kids for them to understand the perspective. It, it cuts down on some of this, you don't understand, you've never been in this situation that children love to, to share with you, that when you can share that you had a struggle and it's relevant and it's age appropriate, that they begin to realize, oh, this is something that will continue all the way through my life and it's the way I respond to it that's more important than the actual problem itself. So it was a bit of a struggle, wasn't it? But look what you did. You finished it. You completed it. Do you remember when you came in here and you were whining and you threw everything on the floor and you stomped off? Do you remember that? And usually the kids are smiling at you like, yeah, kind of remembering <laughs> all that emotion that went along with it. But you did it. And what was it that turned it for you that, that made you get it right? And I've not had yet a time when any of the children have said, it was the throwing all the books on the floor and the stomping off that led me to getting it done right. Usually they will say, it was after I went for a walk, I calmed down and I could think clearly. It was when I called my friend. It's when I did something else for five minutes. It was when I cried for a little bit. 
you know, they're able to identify what it is and, and move on. And so the next time when they come back with, I hate this, this is terrible, you can remind them, do you remember when it was a struggle the last time? What did you do? And we remember and we can encourage them again. Number 17, tell me more. Sometimes kids start talking and it's like a dam's burst. <laughs> they just want to tell you everything. And, you know, as the saying goes, you know, a 15-minute program, they can tell it to you in detail that it takes an hour in the retelling. <laughs> and sometimes there's nothing. There's hardly anything. They're not saying very much. A good, positive, and encouraging thing is when they give you a little, is that you say, tell me more. Tell me more. And it encourages them to give a little bit more. And your enthusiasm, your tone of voice helps. Number 18, great question. Are the kids asking questions about what they're doing in their work? Are we acknowledging that when we have conversations? If you were a, a dinner table conversation or in the car, sometimes kids ask really good questions that you have no idea for the answer to. Maybe the radio is playing and something has happened and they ask one of those questions like, why is it that giraffes have that long neck and you don't know? And so you tell them, that's a good question. I don't know, Let, let's figure that out together or you could figure that out. I mean, it's up to you how you, you respond after that. But acknowledging that questioning is good and asking really good questions is good too. Number 19, I'm proud of you. I love that one, I'm proud of you. We probably use that a lot if we're using it or we don't use it at all. I don't think there's a middle ground where we kind of use it steadily. I think we either use it a lot when we start using it or it's something that we've really just forgotten to use. But we are proud of our kids. They do so many things and they surprise us in so many ways. And it's important that they know that we're proud of them. Not the empty praise of, I'm proud of you. And they think, what are you proud of me for? What have I done? But that they understand why you're proud of them. And maybe that's accompanied with a hug or a touch or close enough to them that they feel the affection that's going on. So I've just shared with you about 19 phrases. And of course, there are hundreds more phrases that I'm sure you can think of. And please adapt these for your family as well, of ways of encouraging your children throughout the year. Now, I'm thinking of these phrases because it's testing time and I know that the children need to be kind of cuddled in encouragement and positive, positiveness than ever before during this phrase because they're very fragile. But this doesn't mean that we only do it now. If, you, if you're starting now, then choose one or two of these phrases. Maybe write them on a post-it note or on a card and have them with you in your on your phone or in your purse that you can look at you know I like to have one of these cards in my wallet near my cards so when I go to pay for something as I pull it out my card to pay I see one of them and it might say tell me more and it reminds me okay when I get home that's the word that I'm going to use that's the phrase that I'm going to use try and use it today it can feel odd at the beginning that it's forced but the more it becomes your vocabulary, the easier it is to use it, the, the more sincere it sounds. Now, a word of caution 
is our tone and the way that we use it. I'm well aware that any of these phrases can be said in a very sarcastic tone, that we have to be very mindful ourselves about how it comes across, especially if we've always had that type of relationship with our children where they're not really sure where they stand, or maybe we've been negative a lot in the past. If you start saying to your child, I'm proud of you and I see you tried that a different way. They kind of give you the side eye like, what? Why, why are you saying that? And they're not saying anything, but they're watching you thinking, something's happened to my parents. So it takes time. Children will gradually get used to the new way of doing it. So today I've talked about positive and encouraging words that we can use. I have all of these phrases in a video that I've put together to remind you of what they are. And you can find that video at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash positive words. So growingnimblefamilies.com positive words. I hope that those positive words you can start using and, and I'd love to hear what positive words that you use that talk about struggle and talk about progress as well. I've talked about progress before and that, that show really links into what we're talking about today during the testing times as well. So I'll leave a link to the show notes for that. The post is called Progress as a Better Measure for Children and that's show number 190. And I also have a few posts all about monitoring progress and looking at progress and you know this is all to do with growth mindset and failure and struggle these are all things that school age children are getting to grips with and learning how to manage them and so we want them to be failing we want them to be struggling but we want to be able to encourage them i hope something i have said has triggered you to investigate something more and help you to make a decision about your wonderful family. So now it's your turn. I'd love to hear about what phrases and positive things that you say to your family or that you've seen and that you want to start using more. I'd love to hear about your testing times, you know, what's going on where you live. I know you all live all around the world. We've got lots of people on the east and the west coast of America, but we have lots of you also that are in Australia, some of you that are in China, many of you that are in India, in the UK, in France, in Belgium. These are people that I know that listen to the show a lot. I'd love to hear from you. Do you move through school in the same way that we that happens in the UK? that you just move through school because you finish the year? Or are you more like the US system here where you have to take a test at the end of the year and if you pass the test, you graduate to the next class, but if you don't pass the test, then you get held back. I would love to hear from you. You can share in our Facebook group, the Society of Nimble Parents. Use the hashtag Creating Family Haven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode. Thanks for being here today and I know that there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. Don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people to find the show. 
and telling your friends too. Show notes for today's show and the links will be at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 203, 203. Sign up for my growing library of parenting resources and printables over on my site. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.